Bible Podcast. This week we are continuing our series in Micah, looking at Micah chapter 2. And this is following on from last week, thinking about how we respond to the news that we've heard, how we respond to bad news. Do we bury our heads in the sand or what does God actually want us to do? How do we respond instead? You might like to have a read of the passage. It's just the whole of Micah chapter 2 and maybe have it in front of you as you're listening. Just to let you know that the Firm Foundations course is continuing on YouTube as well. And this week we were thinking about how the Bible is important, uh, why the Bible is important. You might like to go and have a look at that. Unfortunately, it's not available on the podcast. It's only really appropriate for YouTube, but you can go and watch that if you'd like. Thanks so much, everyone. If you'd like to support Understand the Bible, you can do that in a number of different ways. And the link is down below in the description if you'd like to check that out. So thanks so much. I hope you enjoy the sermon and I'll see you again soon. Well, how do you deal with bad news? How do you deal with bad news? Are you someone who uh, takes it head on? Or are you someone who... Uh, buries your head in the sand you know you don't really want to hear it and you just pretend that there isn't any any bad news and just sort of double down you know if someone wants to tell you something which you don't want to hear uh, do you just say no 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 not true not true at all don't want to listen I think we can see different examples of that in I'm sure we can see different examples of that in, uh, in friends of ours perhaps or people we know um, but this is talking, Micah is talking uh, about the nation, the people of Israel, and the way that they uh, responded uh, to these things. And uh, we started thinking about this in chapter 1 last week, and this is just sort of continuing on um, from what he says and developing that, uh, that theme. If you remember, the, um, the main charge against them from chapter 1 verse 7, it says, that all her idols will be broken to pieces. And that was the main charge against the people that Micah was prophesying, was speaking to, was that charge of idolatry, of turning away from the Lord. And so then, this is uh, what Micah goes on to say. He says, Woe to those who plan iniquity, to those who plot evil on their beds. Um, They covet fields and seize them. They covet you think about the, uh, the Ten Commandments, of course that's number 10 of the Ten Commandments, coveting. Now what's so wrong with, with coveting? And I think actually you can see that here. Um, it says, woe to those who plan iniquity, those who plot evil on their beds. And I think this shows the, you know, why coveting is such a big thing. Because it, it's the desire which leads to the action. You know, they were lying on their beds thinking about how good their neighbours houses were or fields or something I don't know and that's what they wanted so they plotted to get what they wanted and this is um, this is what James says about um, about uh, coveting or about about wickedness it says um, James chapter 1 verse 15 then after desire has conceived it gives birth to sin and sin when it is full grown gives birth to death So James says that sin starts with the desire inside. And that's the thing with coveting, isn't it? It's wanting what we don't have, not asking God, but actually wanting and and sinning in wanting to take uh, what we don't have. That is the problem uh, with with coveting. And um, 
So God responds to it. He starts out by saying, woe to those who plan iniquity. But then in verse 3, the Lord says, I am planning. So it's the same, it's the same word, planning and planning. Uh, the people were planning iniquity and, and sin. But God says, I am planning. What's he planning? I am planning disaster against this people from which you cannot save yourselves. God's response is he's planning a punishment for them because of their because of their sinfulness and he mentioned there um, in that day uh, people will ridicule you they'll taunt you um, we're ruined um, he assigns our field to traitors and perhaps that means uh, he's talking about how their their possessions their fields their houses and what have you were given to a foreign nation and were given to people who they didn't originally belong to and it says in verse 5, therefore you will have no one in the assembly of the Lord. Uh, there won't be any of them left. And that is the scale of, of their punishment. That's, and this is the charge against them, the charge and the punishment uh, against them. So how have the people responded to this? And so this is what Micah goes on to talk about. He goes on to talk about the, the false prophets and the way that they've responded to this. What are they like? It says in verse 6, do not prophesy, their prophets say, do not prophesy about these things. This grace will not overtake us. Uh, so these false prophets that, that Micah mentions, they, they say, no, don't say that. Don't say these things. And they're, presumably they're saying that to Micah. They're saying, oh, look, Micah, come on, come off it. You know, don't, don't be so negative. Don't be so negative. Don't talk about sin don't talk about all that we don't need to know all of that stuff that's but you're a bad news kind of guy we don't need that kind of negativity in our lives you know this is what they are saying to Micah and this is what this is what false prophets do they try and shut down actual true godly prophets um, and it's it's always been the case and this is what Jesus said uh, in the Sermon on the Mount for example Matthew uh, chapter 5 uh, verses 11 and, uh, and 12, the famous words at the end of the, uh, the Beatitudes. And Jesus says, uh, Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad, because great is your reward in heaven. For in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. That's the way the world is. The people who bring the bad news, as it were, from God are the ones who are persecuted because people do not want to hear it. People do not want to hear it. And the false prophets, they are particularly the ones who are saying, don't say that, don't say these things. Now, what do, they, what do these people do? It says, uh, disgrace will not overtake us. Uh, you descendants of Jacob, should it be said, does the Lord become impatient? Does he do such things? So they're saying, they're effectively minimising this message of, of sin and repentance. No, they're saying, nah, don't worry, it's not going to happen. Whatever you say, whatever bad thing you say, it's not going to happen. Um, God doesn't get impatient. God, God's got plenty more patience left. We're not that bad. You know, just, just chill out, man. You know, don't, don't worry. And, um, and again, this is just what they do. They minimise sin. They don't take it seriously. And... Um, 
as it says in Jude, the, one of the uh, short letters of the New Testament, Jude verse 4, uh, ungodly people who pervert the grace of our God into a license for immorality and deny Jesus Christ, our only sovereign and Lord. They turn the grace of God into a license for immorality. That's what these false teachers do. They say, well, God will just forgive you. Don't worry. It's not that bad. We'll minimise this message. And these people, they make a big show of being caring and compassionate. You know, they say, well, we don't, we don't want to give people the bad news because that's a horrible thing to do. You know, we don't want to talk about sin because that just exposes the, the nasty things in life. We don't really want to talk about that. Uh, but actually, the truth is, it's the, the real compassionate one is, is Micah and the true prophets. So he says, uh, do not my words do good to the one whose ways are upright. Do not my words do good, Micah says. It's, it's good to hear this message to people who really seek the Lord and who, who are trying to do what is right. Um, but he says to the, the false prophets, you strip off the rich robe from those who pass by without a care. You drive the women of my people from their pleasant homes. You take away my blessing from their children forever. And that's what the false prophets do. They appear to be kind and compassionate by not talking about these, these matters of sin and, and judgment. But actually, Micah says, they are the ones who are taking the blessing away. Because blessing comes from God. And it is only when we are in a right relationship with him that we will experience goodness. And you can't have the goodness without uh, the righteousness as well. And so he says, well, get up. This is uh, verse 10. Get up, go away. This is not your resting place. Um, it is ruined. Uh, maybe he's thinking about the, uh, the exile there and sort of thinking ahead to what was going to happen to them. And uh, he says, if a liar and a deceiver comes and says, I will prophesy for you plenty of wine and beer, that will be just a profit for this people. And I, I read that and I thought, gosh, that, that could be said of today, couldn't it? That's what people want to hear today. People don't want to hear the message of sin and judgment and repentance and, you know, taking up our cross and following Jesus. What they want to hear is God will give them a pat on the back, say how good they are, affirm them in, in whatever it is that they want to do and, and say, oh, God will give you plenty of, good, plenty of wine and beer, plenty of good things. That's what God really you know, wants to give you. People like that message. They don't like the message of saying that, you know, we need to give up everything for Jesus. That kind of message. So that's what the false prophets are doing. But God has different ideas. And um, this, these final two verses, verse 12 there, he says, I will. He says, I will actually three times. I will surely gather all of you. I will surely bring together a remnant. I will bring them together like sheep in a sheepfold. So it's not contingent on, uh, on these false prophets or, or Micah. God is saying, enough is enough. I am going to do it. I'm going to show my power. I'm going to show my arm. And I will do it. And he's going to gather them like, it says, like sheep in a sheepfold, like a flock in its pasture. It made me think, actually, of um, what it said about Jesus. Uh, for example, Matthew 9, 36, it says, Jesus had compassion on them as they were uh, like sheep without a shepherd. 
And um, it very much made me think of, of that, of Jesus gathering the flock. And that's what he comes to do. And then it finishes off verse 13. The one who breaks open the way will go up before them. They will break through the gate and go out. Their king will pass through before them, the Lord at their head. Now just think about, I mentioned this last week, but the wonderful deliverance that God gave to Jerusalem with uh, Hezekiah. And it was the city was surrounded by the Assyrian army. And, um, and the people cried out to the Lord and God sent a sort of a plague or, or some kind of illness that, that all of them died. And, um, and it was a wonderful deliverance from God. And the people from Jerusalem were able to plunder the, the army and the food and, and, and so on. Um, but it came from God. And that's the message that the deliverance comes only from God, only from him. So we were thinking at the start about how we respond to bad news and, and how we respond to um, I guess you could say criticism by being told that we need to, uh, we need to repent uh, and so on. The right response to that, according to the Bible, is repentance and faith. And that's the message that Jesus came uh, to, to bring. He said, now the kingdom of God is close at hand. Repent and believe the good news. That's the response that we should make, that we all should make uh, to hearing this message and that's the message that, that Jesus came. It's not the message, you now some people just like to bury their head in the sand. And sadly, I do, I do see this, that there are people, um, if you tell them about God and about Jesus, and if you tell them about, you know, that we're sinners, but, you know, we can find forgiveness in Jesus, so many people just, just look away. No, they don't want to hear. They don't want to hear that message. Uh, but actually that, you know, we need to, to respond by turning from our sin, turning to the Lord and, uh, and putting our trust in him. We do need to be on our guard against false teachers. And this is something which the Bible has quite a lot to say about. And I think the reason the Bible talks a lot about this is because God knew that it would be common in a world where people don't want to hear the bad news, then it's going to be quite easy to become popular if you only ever say uh, the good news, isn't it? Or if you only ever say things which people want to hear. And sadly, we see in the church throughout the ages that that's been the case. There are always going to be uh, Christian pastors and leaders and whoever, teachers, who will only say nice things, things which people want to hear. For example, how much God loves them but never actually say, you know, this is, you need to repent of your sin and believe in Jesus Christ. And, um, and they will attack those who preach the biblical message of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. And that is sadly the way it goes, as we saw from what Jesus says. They will minimise the message of sin and punishment, and they will um, just affirm people in whatever they want to hear. It's a, a lovely phrase, Paul puts it in um, 1 or 2 Timothy, I can't remember which, but he says, in the last days, people will gather around them a crowd of teachers who will say what their itching ears want to hear. And I, I love that, that, that little expression, but, you know, saying people will want to hear a certain thing 
And so the, the false teachers will just give people what they want to hear. And I think this is really important for us to, to, to think about because, you know, we do live in days, I think, with a proliferation of false teachers and false teaching. And just because someone is wearing a mitre, you know, wearing a bishop's robe or whatever, just because someone is on TV doesn't mean that they are preaching uh, the true gospel. And just think about it, you know, when was the last time that you actually heard a bishop speaking about our need of, of repentance and sin and, and God's judgment and calling us to repent of our sin? Now, yeah, and this is the thing, you know, it, part of the problem with false teaching is it's not what is said, it's what is left unsaid. You know, that's as much false teaching as, as actually saying the wrong things. And I think for many of our bishops, that would be the problem. It's not that they say things which are wrong, it's that they don't say the things which they need to. And, um, and I think that we need to be careful. But, you know, in these days, when it's so possible to, we've got the internet, we've got TV, and so on. It's so possible to, to get lots of Christian teaching from all over the place. Now make sure that the people that you are listening to are proclaiming the message of the Bible, which is that, that fundamental message of repentance. You know, they're just not glossing over that or anything like that. We need to, to be wise about who we listen to. And we need to remember, finally, that uh, deliverance comes only from God. Deliverance comes only from God. This is what it says in um, the book of Acts, uh, Acts chapter 4, uh, verse 12, uh, where um, Peter says, Salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to mankind by which we must be saved. Salvation is found in no one else. So we mustn't be tempted to look elsewhere. And I think this applies in, in all places of our lives. I think so often in life, and I find this, you know, if I'm, if I'm uh, struggling with some particular issue or, you know, what have you, uh, it's not always the first response to pray, is it? To pray and ask God to help us. And, and that's something that we need, to, uh, we need to, to repent of, I think, and to ask God to help us to be people who actually look to him for our deliverance day by day. And when you think about the big problems in the world, and um, this is something actually that, um, that my wife pointed out uh, yesterday. She said, you know, you know, Phil, you know what the problem is with climate change and, and so on, is, is actually we're trying to solve it without God. That, that, I think, is the big problem, isn't it? It's not, you know, whatever the solution is, we're trying to do it just without God. And, um, and that's the big problem. You know, we need to say at a, on a personal level in our own lives and as a country and as a, as a world that we need to look to him because deliverance for whatever problems that we have, all of our sins, comes only from him and that we need to look to him. And you know, the wonderful thing, and I'll finish with this, but the wonderful thing is that the Queen knew this and I was really struck by this watching the committal service you know, just um, earlier we sang, Christ is made a sure foundation. And I thought, what a wonderful way. Um, that was the, the final hymn at the committal. I thought, what a wonderful way to, to finish. But she also chose, um, all my hope on God is founded. All my hope on God is founded. But those two hymns, you know, what a way to go. 
What a, what a, a memory to leave with us. You know, all my hope on God is founded. Christ is made the sure foundation. And I just thought, you know, what a wonderful message for our country at this time that we can have all our hope on God and we can know that Christ is the sure foundation. And I think that was the legacy that the Queen left to us. You know, her legacy of faith and of saying, you know, it's not, it's not down to, to us to save, to save the world. That's God's job and we need to look to him and we can look to him. That's good news. And so let's pray as we close and ask for, for God's help in all of these things. And so, Heavenly Father, we pray that for ourselves, that you would help us to listen to what you have to say, even when it is maybe painful. We pray that you would help us to listen and to respond rightly and to put our hope, our faith and our trust in you, in, uh, in Christ Jesus. We pray for those we know who perhaps are burying their heads in the sand. We ask, Lord, that you would open their eyes and we pray that you would accomplish a great deliverance. And we thank you, Lord, that you are uh, a saviour, our only saviour. And we pray that you would help us to trust in you all, uh, all the time. And we're sorry for times when we haven't done that and ask that you would help us day by day to live walking and, and trusting in you more and more every day. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.